Hello and welcome to the 250th episode of the Vorthos Cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm still Cristalano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. We have all five of us back on the show for, for once in a blue moon here for our 250th episode, uh, Spectacular. So uh, previews for the new Lord of the Rings set is ongoing, but rather than spend time chatting about that, we're, we're going to be talking about that the next couple weeks once we have all the cards. Let's talk about the mailbag stuff. So we got one question via email that I'm going to I'm going to read out first and have each of us answer because it's like a great introductory question. It says, hi, Vorthos cast. Congratulations on podcast number 250. I'm a somewhat new listener and have been enjoying a lot. I'd like to ask you, I'd like to ask you if there are specific episodes you can point me to so I can know more about you and your background, how you got into the game, formats and decks you play, etc. Additionally, if I'm allowed one more, I'd like to know if y'all have a special favorite card uh, where their back history is translated to their effects. And this is from Eduardo. Uh, I I don't know if we've gone into any detail. Probably with like milestone episodes, we might have talked more about ourselves. So look for, you know, our fourth, our third anniversary, fourth anniversary episodes. But we can talk a little bit about this now. Um... I got into magic with like Mercadian masks dropped out in the early 2000s and got back into it around Lorwyn and have been kind of into it ever since. And then uh, when the old Star Wars expanded universe died, that's when I got into magic. <laughs> Lorelai, you want to talk about yourself? Uh, yeah, it all started when I was a zygote, uh, just a single cell. Um, <laughs> it's mostly been downhill somehow I knew. since then. Uh, somehow, somehow I knew. <laughs> uh well i've been playing since 2003 uh started playing at scout camp um got into story stuff in earnest uh probably around cons of tarkir when it moved back to web fiction i guess it was web fiction for the first time the uh the comics i guess are web comic are we differentiating between web comics and, and web fiction I do a little Maybe bit, a little but bit. it doesn't matter. They're, they're both technically web Con fiction. Cons of yeah. Tarkir is when I, when I really started uh, reading Magic Story in earnest. Since gone back and read a bunch of old stuff. But mostly play Commander. I like limited, though, when I don't have money on the line. Uh, <laughs> I don't like playing Magic for money, actually. But, yeah. Which leads to me, who has played for money and wasn't awful at it, but... Uh... <laughs> I've been playing since, like, I was aware of Magic and, like, played my first game of Magic when I had no idea how Trample worked, so we were playing, out. my favorite card was Crash of Rhinos, because we were just saying that damage applied to all the creatures that blocked it, but yeah, that was kind of broken. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, since Barrage, but I really got into it and actually learned the, the how to play and started going to FNMs every week. Like, we, a friend of mine would drive an hour to the big store up north called the war room which has since closed but like that was around uh was it judgment standard or somewhere around judgment torment somewhere around there my first real de like standard deck was goblin bidding and i've been playing on and off since like there were a couple years where i didn't play in college but um because i went to school in a really small that Bible Belt Town, and there weren't really any card shops. Um, but I've been playing since 
then and um you know i don't do i didn't do a ton of competitive play but i've done enough to where i enjoyed it for a little while and then i got whole hog into commander and haven't really looked back so well i uh i started playing magic probably like back before seventh edition came out but like in in all earnesty i was a small baby child um because i'm so young and youthful and <laughs> I uh, got really into magic uh, with Innistrad. Uh, and shortly before Innistrad, Mirrored and Besieged uh, was like the first set that I like bought packs for, you know. Um, and I, I really like and I I've basically just kind of been into magic ever since. Playing the game has always taken a backseat to the stories for me. Like even when I wasn't playing, I was still following the fiction and the story. Um, if you want to know why I'm on the podcast, it's a really good question. Uh, but you can uh, check out he, episode he, he 98. He took us to brunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I bribed my way on. Uh, episode 90, not 98, 96 uh, was my very first episode. You can go back and listen to it. It's a D&D episode. Uh, and that's why I was here. And I think I introduced myself a little bit more there. So if you want to know more about me, you can go back and re-listen to that one. Wow. That was over half the podcast ago. Yeah. Also, I think episode 200, our like previous mailbag episode, we answered a lot of questions about the podcast. So oh, I'm just yeah, that's fair. I'm referring people back in time is what I'm doing. I, I really I'm sitting here like, wow, you remember the first episode you were on? That's wild. I couldn't imagine doing that. I was, the first episode <laughs> I was on was episode one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what episode was my first. Carrie. Carrie. Uh, I'm Carrie. I think I'm the only normal one here. Uh, <laughs> I started playing with Duels 2012. Arguably, I think it still stands as the best Magic video game ever. Um, that was on Xbox 360. I can't believe you would say that on the anniversary of the death of Magic Legends. Is it, is it the anniversary of the death? <laughs> no, I'm just making that up. Yeah. Why would you hurt me like that, Chris? Poor Arjun is still crying for it, I imagine. He brings it up sometimes, still. Man, I'm bringing it up still. Uh, I met most of these folks from like 2016 to 2019, mostly on Twitter. Um, I only really play Commander. I only really play silly theme decks. That's pretty much it. Okay then. <laughs> uh, so so real real quick, do we have a uh, a special favorite card where the uh, lore is like it's very flavorful? Is I think what the the question was asking. Uh, mud button torch runner because when he die he blow up. <laughs> I don't I don't know. This one this one might be tough without research. Does so, does anyone have one ready? I feel um, like there's there's a lot of cards that fit this bill. Sagas do it really well. I like it for Hyxus, even though he's borderline unplayable. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Uh all right. Well let's move on because we've got a lot of questions here. So let's move on to our patrons questions. Uh, our patron mailbag. The first one is what vehicle would each active walker drive? Okay. Okay. Uh, that's I from have... Gudako. Gudak. Gotten it. Now I've screwed it up. Gudako. <laughs> I, I have some, some hot takes here uh, and I'm not going to talk about each active walker and I'm actually not going to even talk about all of the living walkers, but two, two scenarios spring to mind immediately. Uh, the first one is 
I I hate to say this, Gideon absolutely would have owned and driven a Tesla. He wow. He is so off the internet that he would not have realized what he was getting into. He would have just been like, "Oh, an electric car. This is good for the environment. I should own one of these. This is what I should drive." Um everyone <laughs> would have tried to forget that <laughs> cuz they would have felt really bad about thinking of him as a Tesla driver, but I do I do believe Gideon would have driven a Tesla without ever knowing who Elon Musk was. Uh, and on that same line, Sahili absolutely owns and drives a 2023 Chevrolet Bolt. Also an electric vehicle fan, but she did a lot of research and figured out which one was like the best one. And it's like a reasonable <laughs> priced. It's, it's a good car. So That's fair. That is yeah. fair. All right. So which two characters from different planes who aren't and have never been planeswalkers would you like to see interact now that the omen pass make that possible uh and that's from david i am uh, there's one that immediately springs to mind for me every time just one of like the non-planeswalkers that can now interact and that is tets uh tetsuko umazawa <laughs> and uh what is the new the other new Umazawa's name? Satoru. 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 Uh I want those two to meet. Uh because like that is the big in the history of magic, that is the family that has split off between planes, doesn't have any planeswalkers, and it would be cool to see them meet again. I I feel like I just kind of want to know what would happen if like Thalia met half of the plane like multiverse. Like I feel like Thalia needs to go somewhere where things are generally okay. Like maybe Thalia meets like Lavinia on Ravnica where it's like, I guess things aren't generally okay there, but I feel like that would be an interesting like moment Two very similar characters, but like having had very different life experiences. <laughs> uh, I would also like to see Joda just travel the multiverse, but that's a whole separate thing. Uh, not as a planeswalker, but like, oh, this is what everyone was talking about. Finally, <laughs> after 4,000 years, I'm free. Um, anyway, what do you think of battles? Do you think they have potential as a storytelling device? And this is from Maria. Uh, I think they could. We, we'd have to see more of them because right now we've only seen battles that are very, I don't want to say samey, but... Uh, while interesting and while they show, oh, okay, so here's the invasion of Lorwyn. We flip it over and we assume that what it becomes is like how the fight is going, right? So the invasion of Lorwyn flips into winnowing forces. And I'm saying that because I just have the card in front of me right here. Uh, but it's like, oh, the elves have banded together to fight back against the Phyrexians. Um, I think it could do neat things, but... I don't think it's as good a storytelling device as like sagas. Yeah, there's uh, 35 of the 36 battles in March of the Machine were here are Phyrexians attacking a plane and the backside is how the plane is fighting back uh, with the exception of Invasion of New Phyrexia, which is, hey, here is Zalfir invading and here is Teferi, their leader, on the back. Um... So that was one that favored the invading force. Um, sieges can work both of those directions. Um, but like, I think you could historically tie them in a little closer to like a known event and a specific event. 
like if you wanted to talk about um a specific battle in Zendikar, maybe you could have like a battle that is the Gatewatch versus Ulamog and Kozilek and the backface be like their defeat to show the story moment. Like here's the battle and here's what happened. Um mm-hmm. for historical moments. Uh that would be really cool. But yeah, like I, I like that. Sieges are only one type of battle. There could be others, so who knows really what the design space is for them. But uh they they're okay at it. Um I think you can do cool things. You don't have to do cool things. Like there are a lot like sagas in that way. Now, I'm I'm kind of salty that we're not getting any with the Lord of the Rings set because like I like the first thing that I think of when I thought of Lord of the Rings magic set was the Battle of Pelennor Fields and I'm like we're not getting battles mm-hmm. for this what, what are we doing here but you know nah. th- they yeah. they can do a lot of cool things with them and I I'm really intrigued to see what other type of battle since they do have a battle type siege or whatnot so like I want to see what the other other battles do and how they would work and like I'm. I think really cool things could be done. I just think we're going to have to wait to see what they do with them. I think Magic's storytelling leans towards MacGuffins because we need to get from plane to plane. And usually before a big event, we need to have some assembling of forces and artifacts and just general requirements to defeat whoever the big bad is. So having sieges that flipped into those things would be cool, Mm -hmm. but also they fucking love putting those on really powerful cards. And I think <laughs> some of the mystique would be lost if it's like on the back face of a card instead of a front face premiere premiere that, that is firework. That is fair. I am less excited about like the legends on the back faces <laughs> of battles than I am. You know, the like the fury and the Urza don't exist in my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. See, they've, they've put some really powerful MacGuffins on cards, um, such as the lithoform engine. Y'all remember that card? <laughs> All right. I am going to uh, cut. I'm going to cut discussion of this one so we can keep moving and make our time. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to cut Chris off right there. Uh, in recent years, we've had novellas, novels, web fiction with different main story uh, splits, a Netflix show. Cro- uh, that, that one's actually Allegedly. crossed out. Uh, and a few one shot stories not tied to the premiere sets. What do you all think the ideal mix of these formats would be Ooh. for the delivery of magic story? Uh, oh yes, i think please. the easy answer is to say yes yes please <laughs> <laughs> all of the above please um i would what i would really like to see is a uh, a core magic story told through the cards that then we can weave uh mo- stories that we can tell more about uh, not, I don't know. What I'm trying to say there. Uh, characterization stories is what I'm trying to say, and we can u- we can use like other mediums to have very strong character driven stories uh, that maybe aren't about some world ending event like most of the things are, or that can help us fill in the gaps between character appearances. And Magic has so many characters. I think like with a little bit of planning uh, and, you know, someone with a job title like Loremaster helping coordinate it, <laughs> you could keep these ball. I think you could keep these plates spinning in the air uh, and, and create a very cohesive universe 
if you know th- there was a will in a way. I'm I'm glad they recently promoted a character to lore master, so now they have Quintorius to do that job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Quint, Quint can handle that. Quint can handle that. Yeah, I do want to say I think a a really important thing for the longevity of the future of Magic Story, in my opinion, uh, is that web fiction needs to be the consistent main force through which story is shown to people. Um, and I, well, cards are going to always take precedence, but web fiction needs to be the major deliverer of story. And then beyond that, I think there's room for all sorts of things. I think that it's great to have comics. It's great to have uh, little short stories released. It's great to have novellas, but like the focus needs to maintain on web fiction. Uh, any move to like, hey, we're going to do a novella for this set instead of web fiction. Um is going to be met with a lot of just problems, and I don't think it's worth it. I, I actually disagree with you. I think that the web fiction, while it is important, I think it should be used to communicate the wider strokes of the story. But I think giving authors a much higher word count with novellas or full-on novels for fans who are, have a much greater investment to flesh out the stories in the in-between times to let us see character growth will be very important and very good for the growth of Vorthos. But that's my personal opinion. I think like that's something that I would I would love. Like I love the the web comics that I or the, the web stories that I can read on a lunch break, but I would love to be able to see the finer points of getting to know the relationship like to see the kind of dialogue between Nahiri and uh Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on names. Um, oh my god, a Johnny? I, that's not who I was going for, but okay. sure. <laughs> like I was thinking, like after she was um, infected on Phyrexia, like a conversation with her and uh, oh, Malira. Malira? Yeah, Malira. There you go. I'm so mad that I blanked. But yeah, just just like the small interactions that let you see the growth, or even Chandra and Vivian on. Um, New Capenna, just like to see the interactions and see how they develop trust that they don't really have time for in the much smaller word count for the web uh, uh, story. So, like, I would yeah. love to see more words being given to authors to flesh those kind of relationships out. See, I think we actually agree. It's just yeah. I think that uh, web fiction should be the main avenue through which the continuous narrative is told. And if we want novels and novellas and other stories that build off of that, then that's great. But like if we don't have web fiction telling the main story of what's happening in magic, I think that is where problems will arise. I guess I'm just looking at it as web stories being the summarization of the greater detailed novels. So I I think from from a business standpoint, that bit is going to be challenging because mm-hmm. think about it from the publisher's perspective the person who's actually going to be publishing whatever the novel novella and now if wizards is doing in-house novellas or something that'd be a different story um but if you think about it from the publisher standpoint like why am i giving away like a slightly shorter version of this story for free I, I I don't know. I think I think that part is just a hard sell, but it could work. I mean, so what we really need to do is uh, first end this question so we can go answer more questions. <laughs> uh, but yeah. to uh, take a, a page out of Star Wars Lucasfilm's notebook, uh, 
And uh, I think we really need to drop important details about Magic's story in Fortnite. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Somehow Fortnite has returned. Oh, oh. God. Okay, Let's next move question. on. Okay, Please, so Jay. which Planeswalker do you most hope isn't desparked? And which do you most hope is desparked? All right, I have future story information. I can't speculate on this All one. All right, Jay, I'll do it for you. Uh, I hope uh, Duretti is not desparked, uh, and I hope... Uh, they resurrect uh, Urza just to despark him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Duretti, honestly, I don't care whether or not Duretti gets desparked because you I can't have... answer this question, Jay. We've already. I'm saying I don't that. care. I'm. I'm not. I'm not speculating. I'm saying emotionally, Duretti has a Planeswalker card that I can use as a commander already. So his whether he's a legend or not doesn't matter much to me. I want to see what happens when Ugin gets desparked and he has Ooh. to keep track of Nicol Bolas without a spark. Um, and I hope that uh, Kaya still has a spark because uh, I'm protecting all my POC Planeswalkers. Thank you. I hope Liliana is desparked because. I don't know. I have I have a resentment against how long they've dragged along Liliana's plot threads for <laughs> for forever. And uh my hope who isn't this sparked as Heliod, the most important planeswalker. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh shall I move on or does anyone else want to Lorelai, did you want to add one? Uh, no, I said mood when you said that you have future story information and can't answer. Fair enough. That's <laughs> a good point. Okay. Um What's your pitch for an Honor Among Thieves-esque magic Hollywood movie? Or it can be Bollywood or any other film style you prefer. And this question is from Dylan. Uh, yep. My pitch would be, I, I mean, a lot of folks wouldn't like it, but it would need to be something that people can get on board with. Uh, it would just feature like the core, like a core five planeswalkers in a... Uh, assemble the Gatewatch style story. Um, I don't know exactly what that would be. I would honestly, I really like Testa, not Testa, <laughs> Agents of Artifice. <laughs> I think like a, a variation on Agents of Artifice where you bring in some of the other characters, maybe Chandra and Gideon, rather than being off in Purifying Fire, have a plot line that all comes together and they all like fight Tezzeret at the end or something. And it leads to, you know, a hinting at Bolas or something. I think that would be I cool. mean, that's easy to do. You just erase Baltrice's name and write Chandra and leave the character the same and then pitch that. The character is so different. I'm sorry. I have to disagree. <laughs> Baltrice is Harry. No one's going to care. Apparently not. Based on Jaya. So. <laughs> I just want to say I think that now is the perfect time to do this, if only because you could absolutely have a core set of characters that includes at least one or two plain bound characters who get caught in an omen path. And that is your instigating moment of the stuff of the story. You stole my idea. Dang it. If you think about it, like it's going to be really like boring and weird if like all of the characters are just planeswalkers who all happen to spark at the same time. Uh, rather than having like a core set of like maybe two characters who just fall into an omen path and now they're getting to wacky hijinks and there's planeswalkers. I don't know. I think uh, whatever the choice is, the settings have to include like Ravnica and Zendikar and Innistrad. It would need to heavily feature planeswalking, right? Because that's what makes oh, yeah. magic unique as a setting. Allegedly. Um, 
allegedly. <laughs> Let's not get I into mean, this conversation. Let's not get into this conversation. Not a few All weeks right. until Future of Multiverse. Which character that doesn't have voice lines on Arena do you most want to get them? And this is from John Deboy. Uh, in terms of characters who have Planeswalker cards, Tevish Zot, not close. Uh, I was my Zot so bad. Uh, characters who don't have cards, I let me do canon Ram stuff, please. I would say all of them, like every single one, just to keep you know keep keep Lorelai busy. I yeah. do like give, money. Give let give every legendary card a voice line. That's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Logistically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. What are your thoughts on Magic Twitter? And this is from Ilardi. Okay, so this is like a three-part question. Uh, I am going to answer the first part. Uh, what are my thoughts on Magic Twitter? I think Twitter is a terrible, terrible place uh, that should not exist. Um, but also, I think that the idea that there is one single Magic Twitter is falling into the trap of Twitter and other online communities where you have this idea that there is some sort of monolithic group that can be represented by saying magic Twitter, when in reality, uh, there are a lot of people who are post about magic a lot and are followed by a lot of people, uh, but I may never see their tweets. You may never see their tweets. Yeah. There are people out there who probably have 20,000 followers who you don't even know who post about magic a lot. Uh, so the idea that there is some sort of monolithic magic Twitter is wrong. Agreed. And at the same time, I think it's awful. So maybe I'm <laughs> correct. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. I think it's a fun exercise in harassing people for the most innocuous opinions. Oh, yeah. There's, there's like very few days where those opinions are genuinely bad, like bigotry or shit. And then there's like a million more days where it's just dunking on the most amateur noobs who would honestly be guided out or helped in any other community but instead become the reviled main character for you know having noob opinions and posting them on twitter and happening to catch the attention of somebody who wants free retweets <laughs> or or my favorite when someone tweets something that they think is innocuous and then it turns out that like oh. they're just not they're not privy to the like conversation that's happening amongst 20,000 other people who they don't follow. And suddenly that's, their tweet gets roped into that. And it's just like, oh, oh, the no. Twitter, let me take the worst uh, uh, interpretation <laughs> of your tweet. The, yeah. the extremely online take that every post is made with full awareness of everything else going on. Yeah, Correct, yeah. yeah. especially when it's, you know, like maybe an old cancer patient who may not be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. We'll just we'll just put the, we'll just put it out there like that. So basically, t Twitter, like most other online communities, is what you make of it. You have, you, especially with the way you're able to cultivate who you're able to see with blocks and mutes. Um, like, I have a very positive magic Twitter experience because I don't follow a bunch of assets. I mean, I mean, buttholes. Um, I follow a lot of. You really people. saved yourself with that second one, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. And, you know, I've blocked a lot of people and I've muted a lot of people. And, you know, you have the opportunity to do that for yourself. And, you know, it can be a very pleasant place. And I'm just on there to gas people up. That That's my primary thing is for So be be liberal. Hey, be liberal, li ah, liberal with your block and mutes. And it'll 
help mm-hmm. help you have a very positive experience on any online field. Yeah, especially if you with all these racist Lord of the Rings carpetbaggers <laughs> coming into Magic Twitter. I uh, blocked like get 150 block people in an hour. Um, yeah. Second part to this question: What are your thoughts on R MTG Vorthos? Uh, I, as a rule, do not go to Reddit. I think Reddit is the worst place on the internet, Agreed. regardless of where you are otherwise on Reddit. Yeah, I'll be the contrary opinion. I think it's great, <laughs> and I think one mod in particular is very great. Won't name <laughs> them, <laughs> but it it's honestly valuable as like the most accessible and central vorthos community forum online there isn't really like a comparable place i love our discord i know Mm -hmm. the literal next question is about our discord but for people who just have like amateur level interest and probably no awareness of magic the gathering content creation and what goes on um it's a perfectly fine place to like gauge people's opinions and actually help people out yeah i have a soft spot for like forum style story stuff because i used to mod the magic the gathering salvation sites which used to be the biggest one but yeah Yeah. it's 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 gone way downhill in the last five years (laughs) god yeah mtg mtg vorthos is a nice place they pin they pin my uh my info I mean, like, I just hate Reddit as a rule in yeah, terms of that like, is entirely fair subreddits that I think are fine. It's probably like among those, <laughs> but it's a very small list. It's, um, it's, it's definitely top tier magic sub in terms of the people. Uh, and then the last part of the question is, what are your thoughts on the Patreon server where Vorthes is from around the world? Yeah, um, I think our Discord server is great and I love all of you. This really should have been the last question so that it could have been a false transition. That would have been great. No, we'll find another segue. Don't worry. Let's move on. How would you have designed the guff card to be more guff-like from a celestial body? Ooh, good question. I've already got this laid out. All right. Hit us. All right. Passive ability. Opponents played with their hand revealed. Gives you all the information. (laughs) You know all the story already. Yes. Uh, First ability, we change it to a sleep effect. Because in the book, he like... I don't remember if he manifests the pages or shreds the pages out of the book, but he, he shreds, shreds the book into pieces and um, the creatures that are around them. I think they're Phyrexians because I believe they're on Phyrexia by that point. Like all go to sleep because it's such a fucking boring book. And <laughs> that was just the magic he instilled in the pages, which is like really dumb spell casting, but works with a blue sleep effect. And then I would say the last one would be like tutor or soft tutor for a historic card or go full final stand and it's like you take an extra turn and you die at the end of that turn since that's technically like a red white ability as of ravnica ish so i'm gonna tweak your your ability your first ability there i'm gonna say you mill uh the top x cards of your library where x is the plus or the minus that you're using and then creatures your opponents control with converted mana cost x or less are tapped and don't untap until the, your next turn. There you go. Perfect. Uh, I would change his card by not printing him. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> All right, moving on. Which plane chase card has the best flavor? Honestly, I think most of them are really good. I like the new Pollyano because it uses Monarch, which is something originally from the conspiracy. Uh, but I think most of them are pretty good. Like, I, I don't think very many of them I, I see in them like, what is this supposed to represent those ones are the ones that are off the wall are the ones in the random plane that we know nothing about right 
Nathalia's pretty good. That's my pick. And that question was from Patrick. Uh, okay. What is your dream universes beyond? And this is from Heavenly Evan again. Uh, listeners of the podcast for the last several weeks may guess what mine is right now. Because uh, it's just Dragon Age. I mean, let's be real. I, I've, I'm obsessed right now. I've played probably like 160 hours of Dragon Age in like the last three weeks. It's it's bad. It's real bad. Mine would be Zelda just in general. I have Zelda is my number one. If I if I wanted something to cross over with magic, that was that's what I want. Not just because the new game is amazing, but in general, like doing doing what uh, Lord of the Rings is doing with like 15 versions of each individual character and having like every single link throughout the history having a card like three or the three or four Ganondorfs that have existed like the different Zeldas that have existed and then like Bokoblins, Moblin, like I want it. I want it all. Can I give a joke one? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I would love Among Us. I would love to play with <laughs> a Fortnite Among Us deck just to piss people off. Like there, there would be nothing that would make me happier. Uh, if we're talking about like a secret layer, I would love Metroid. Um, but if we're talking about a larger product, like a series of commander decks or a set, um, I think DC Superheroes has the depth and recognizability across a large number of cards to hit some like really good archetypical sweetness. Like everybody knows Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And then you have a whole bunch of like, I don't know. There's just like so many things you can fill out with. There's a bunch of heroes, a bunch of villains, a bunch of events, like cool objects there's just so much you can do with that and uh so if if we're if we're doing a bigger product uh i think i think dc looks great i i love dc i love booster gold he's my boy i feel like i feel like you're just trying to get a a a card that says partners with blue beetle that's called booster gold and a (laughs) booster gold a blue beetle card that partners with booster gold i think i think you're just trying to ship if (laughs) If Ted and Mike don't have cards that have partners with, then what's the point? So, Brian, what about you? My answer is My Hero Academia, because I'm on my week stuff right now. Nice. That is very respectable. All right. Uh, this is here's a, here's a question with just two options here, okay? Would you rather fight a Borib... Borborygmo-sized oh, Fibblefip. You tried so hard. Or 100 Fibblefip-side Borborygmoses. And that is from the Tom is not willing. How dare you make me say that, Tom? <laughs> uh, I would say I would rather fi- fight a Borborygmo-sized Fibblethip because I feel like I could take Fibblethip at any size, whereas like the smaller Borborygmoses would be tough still and much more violent. Uh, this is an easy question. Um, it's a hundred fibble flip size. It's easily, yeah. They're, they're very, they, uh, you can just crunch them with a boot. Yeah. A Borborygmos. I don't think Fibble it's that Fibble. small. He's like a toddler, right? <laughs> he's he's like knee to waist height, somewhere in there. Yeah, then that's really hard to crush with a boot. Alright. <sighs> I say I, I say one Borborygmos sized Fibble Thip. He is literally knee high on Totally Lost. That's like stepping on a chicken. <laughs> Have you ever been though? surrounded by a bunch of toddlers, though? Yeah, but they're not toddlers, they're fibble things. Initially, I was on Lorelai's side. 
you you just kick that one. Yeah, initially, <laughs> see, initially I was on the Lorelai's side, and then I realized, yeah, Fibble isn't as small as I originally thought looking at some cards that he's on. So, yeah, I don't want a hundred of Borborygmos just running around with horns and all feisty and stuff. Give me the one Fibble Tip that I hope doesn't just get lazy and fall on me, and that I could just avoid him and, like, maybe hurt him enough to where he, make him want to wander away from me. But, like, I, I don't think I have the energy or the, 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 the patience to deal with a hundred Fibble Tip-sized Borborygmoses. Have you ever been surrounded by children? <laughs> They're pretty terrifying. That's the, that, that is the main reason I said patience. Um, so hey, here's, part, here's the part, thing. Hold on, no, no. I have an important response to Jay. Have you ever wondered why I never seem to be surrounded by children? Because hmm? <laughs> hmm. you make smart life choices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. We, I, we, should, I, we should move on. I have not What's given up? my answer yet because I have, I have thoughts. Uh, one of them is that the fear of 100 Fibblethip-sized Borborygmoses is that they all have trample, regardless of which Borborygmos this is, um, and you could easily get trampled by a hundred of them. Now, uh, if they're not enraged, I think you're probably fine, because you can (laughs) kick them before they do any damage to you. But if they are enraged, they're going to start tearing up the carpets, and that's going to hurt. It's going to be expensive. So I would probably put my hat in with the Borborygmos-sized Fibblethip, if only because... He can get lost so easily if you just <laughs> let him out the door. What past story event do you think would be the most fun to have a premiere set based on, like the Brothers War and Fate Reforged? And this is from Dylan. Uh, well, my very selfish answer is remake Fallen Empires. I like that a lot, um, actually. Yeah. Alternatively, give. Finally, give us a Planeswalker War set. Yeah. Ooh, that, yeah. I feel like that one would... I feel like Fallen Empires, I would really like to see just continue remaking sets, you know, until you get to sets that didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very uh, least, do like Fallen Empires, uh, do give us an Ice Age set, you know, that kind of stuff. I want vehicles from Invasion Block. That's what I want. Yes. Ooh. All right. If we're specifically talking about story events in the past that were not part of magic sets, I think the the best answer is just the Thran Civil War. Ooh, I think yeah. that um we are I know we just had the Brothers War and there's probably like a lot of overlap and like mechanical themes there. No, but there I do a- think that when it comes down to it, the Thran Civil War is probably the best bet. I, I think that's the best answer. That that's a good one because it has a whole novel based around that. I think if yeah. I'm going for popularity points, which I feel like you should be with these kind of throwback sets, just do Origins of Ravnica. Give us yeah. the 10 Terrans, get everybody happy, get everybody hyped. Nobody actually cares what the cards do. They just finally get to see Svog Theor or whatever it is. You know? <laughs> Svog, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, uh, that's so much better answer than mine, actually. I disagree. <laughs> So, uh, what past story event do you think? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. That's the one I just read. Uh, I'll also say Elder Dragon War. Like, a lot of sagas would be like really good ones. Anyway, okay. What would be your signature card if you had to pick, like your favorite spell or creature? Uh, uh, Lorelai, you wanted to take this one, right? Hummerhead uh, Explorer. Thank you, Kelly Diggs, for making a card basically just for me and you. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you ever see me at events, if there's one card that you want me to sign, uh, like 
if you don't know what card you would want me to sign at an event, uh, please pick Hummer Explorer. Um, <laughs> I, I will I will sign anything you give me, but Hummer Explorers are like number one or COD. Uh, and she's on boy. Thank you, Gavin, for that one. <laughs> I feel like there's only like a couple of members of this podcast who actually have cards printed because of them. Uh, and I am not one of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess I would say the Raven Man then, because yeah. I'm fairly certain I had a large part to do with that actually happening. Yeah. Just because I talk, I talk to everyone about it all the time. I'm, I'm always <laughs> like wary of saying like, oh, we're the reason the Raven Man is Limdul. Uh, but like, I think it's one of those yes and no <laughs> things where obviously we laid all the groundwork to make it actually fit in canon, but we're not the people who made the decisions. But, yeah, that's the best way to put it. And I don't I don't know how much of what we did influenced that decision. And I'm not going to go around saying, oh, we did that. But like we definitely influenced it. Yeah. We did a cool thing. To, to, to what extent? We were uh, right is know. the important part. <laughs> All right. So favorite character, Lorelai. This is another one from Heavily Evan. This is like a four part question. <laughs> uh, favorite character, Kiora. Not close. Least favorite. Uh, least favorite Commodore Goth, not close. Most unknown character. So this is a tricky one. Because um, what is most unknown? There are tons of characters that are mentioned once in an old piece of lore from 30 years ago. Uh, but I think most unknown has to be a character who like does something important. But Like a main no character, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and, not, and, not... And like, most unknown is maybe Ravi. The bringing of the Apocalypse Time on Ogratha was a major destabilizing event um, that is implied to have affected stuff beyond Ogratha. Um, it, it is cited as something that has influenced the Kamigawa portal to Dominaria. Um, it is theoretically tied to Urza's time machine and uh, Sarkin's time travel. There's, there's kind of a, a couple, 200-ish years uh, around uh, or after the Ring of the Apocalypse Charms, where a lot of weird metaphysical stuff happens. Um, some of it canonically tied to the Apocalypse Charms, some of it not. But uh, I, I, it, it's a really big, important event that happens, um, and nobody knows about it, and nobody knows who Robbie is. Um, but she literally also murdered at least dozens of planeswalkers in this event. And nearly destroyed a plane. Like, like this is a massive story moment that doesn't matter to any of like Magic's big overarching story. But uh, so my, my answer: most unknown character is Robbie, and she literally just got a card, but nobody knows that that's her. Who is your specialist character? And this one, I think Chris claimed. I didn't know what this meant. This was these questions were all from Heavenly Evan as a part of like a, a riffing on a joke that I made about asking us questions. Uh, and uh, the the most specialist character is Estrid because she literally has one card and only does three things. So like, she's a character who we know exactly what she can do, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so she is the most specialist character. Uh, and then what's my number, Evan? You can hit me up on Discord. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, which planeswalker are you the most ambivalent about? And this is from Kate Hulu. Is Kate Hulu. Kate Hulu. Oh, is that the joke? That's Kate the Thulu. Joke. Okay, I get it. Yeah. I, I Kate. had not. Kate's one of my parts. Kate, Kate Thulu. Okay. Planeswalker I'm most ambivalent about. Honestly, people like Nissa. I kind of really don't. 
I don't know. I'm not a Nissa fan. But I, like, I don't want Nissa to die, but I don't really care if she's. I care about her more now that she's like actively kissing women. But like historically, Nissa's been in that. Like, there's a lot of planeswalkers where I'm just like, eh, I don't really care what happens to you. Yeah. And then there's I, people I like the Foster Cat, and I'm just like, please show up. Ah. I think the one that a lot of people like that I am most ambivalent about is Ashiok. I just, Fuck you. I, I don't, I don't care either way. <laughs> Ashiok, it is fine. Pride Month. <laughs> oh Ashiok God, no, 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 come on. <laughs> Ashiok was on my list for a while for being just like duplicate of Tibble, where it's just like, oh, I'm gonna torment you, I'm gonna torment you, I'm gonna feed off your torment, and it's like, I don't know why these characters are different or whether they matter, and part of it was. They just both got very, very low amounts of exposure at the time, so. Yeah, Ashiok, I think that's Ashiok mostly. Ashiok is highbrow art, and Tybalt is lowbrow art. It'd be fun if they talked about that in story at all. Well, it's, yeah. it's how I write them. Yeah. So it, it comes through in the work. It, it turns out when you when you write characters, you think about them very differently than the public. All right, so which two characters that haven't met would be soul enemies, just really hate each other? Uh, okay, so like on like a like an epic level as like a storytelling thing, I feel like um, I feel as if Davriel would probably clash with almost anyone else. Like Davriel and a Johnny would just hate each other. They would be at at ends probably constantly, um, just from a character point of view. But I really do think. The most interesting two who would hate each other, but in like a fun way, would be Liliana and Davriel. Yes, one hundred percent. I think <laughs> even, they would. The, hate the novella each even other. makes digs at necromancers. The, yeah, the amount right, that's of the, shade. That's the answer. I think we got to yep. move on though because we're running low on time. Uh, what other de-sparked walkers would be most likely to make uh, like to make like to fairy and crunch spark rocks? And this is from a celestial body. Uh, I think it'd be cough. Because, you know, Koth could eat rocks already, probably, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think they actually... <laughs> the the Mirans don't actually eat rocks, but I just... As the rockiest besides Karn, I think I think it's Koth. Uh, I think Dakin. Dakin still... As <laughs> Dakin might as do it. Know, maybe I mean, murdered his son. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot he wouldn't do. Yeah, I think he would do pretty much anything, including breaking his teeth. If he has teeth on a rock, so I'm just I'm just imagining these planeswalkers just eating random rocks. Yeah, one of <laughs> these has gotta have a spark in it, baby. Jesus. I think uh Angrath and Doretti are the most likely to do it and not die or break all their teeth. <laughs> oh, here's um, the thing. If Soren was desparked, he would do it in private to like everything he fucking found. <laughs> like he, he doesn't want to admit that he needs his planeswalker spark to feel any value but he does it retires to his bedroom where he's got a collection of rocks for munching on uh all right what's a plot that has had that what is a plot that has been on hold that you hope gets picked up in the coming chapters and this is from plink i can't answer this let's just get one answer from somebody uh okay just Oko. Oko. Let's just let's get something about Oko. What's going on with him? That is funny because Oko is mentioned in the next question, which yep, is that's probably why I said it. You have <laughs> the chance to cosplay as all of your favorite planeswalkers 
and Oko. Which Planeswalker do you cosplay as? And this is from New Dark Cloud. Uh, I think I would pick Dak Faden because I'm that's the one I could most pass for. Maybe Ral Zarek. Cough. I don't have an answer for this. All right. Uh, last I, question. I, yeah. That oh, Chris, did you have one? Uh, I was just say I would. I would kill Nicol Bolas cosplay as long as I also get to be 16 feet tall. <laughs> uh, why is last question? Why is Carrie so great? Who is the best planeswalker and why is it Vronos? And this is from uh, Eric Funk. I, I don't know. I think they're washed up. <laughs> right. That's it. Let's move on. Let's move on the, to our wait, uh, we the best. Few- the best planeswalker. Uh probably still as Ronos for being extremely short-lived and leaving such a good impression in everybody who remembers that single avatar. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like Vrash Roga uh, is is up there for me in terms of people and no one's going to remember in five years. Oh, Jay. Uh, Jay, you don't know what's in store. (laughs) As in in what I've commissioned already. Oh, Oh, Carrie. All right, let's move on to our Twitter asks. Uh, all right with the return of the world tree is there a chance of the cosmos monsters being reborn as well since they were created by it if not what are some other ways we could potentially see them again such as an istfel i really like them and i don't want them to just disappear from at sp also luca that's a tough question because that runs into uh what they want to do to fill out the next kaldheim set whenever that comes around again so it's really th- these kinds of questions are uh, that'll be determined like two ish years before another call time set. Uh, unfortunately, it's hard to say. Yeah, I think the answer here is the answer to a lot of questions about like, well, what's going to happen now is like, I don't know. It, anything could work, whatever decision they make that narrative. Is there <laughs> a chance? Yes. Is it likely? I have no idea. Not a clue. Uh, what current location or faction from the multiverse that isn't shown on plane chase cards that you would think would be flavorful for Watsy to make into a plane card? Oh, okay, I see. Uh, and this is from E. Arrowman. Uh, for a very long time, that was just Esper for me, but they just made Esper, so I don't. I haven't looked at the 104 plane cards yet to see what <laughs> cycles are missing. The spheres of original Phyrexia. Yes. Ooh, yeah, we have one, one, but yeah, having the others is good. Would be great. Yeah. Uh, Order of Heliod headquarters on Ragatha or that little cell, good. cell station. Yes. Get us another in, Ragatha card in Zanara or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do we do we have one for the the Zonots on Ravnica? The like underwater places? No. Yeah. Um, we don't have a Zonot. My one. my, yeah, my cool. answer is uh, the Demon Lord Vincent's kitchen. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, that would be great to like release with a cookbook for magic or something. What race that hasn't had a planeswalker yet, i.e. Kithkin, Avon, Ogre, etc., would you like to see a planeswalker for? Gosh, that's that's a tough. I'm gonna have to think for a second. I think Halfling. I know exactly. <laughs> What's yours, Brian? Halfling. Halfling. Homerid. Lorelai, I think I know what yours. Yeah, Homerid. I knew exactly what that was gonna be. Uh, Carrier, Chris. Fairy. Fairy is an interesting one. Yeah, I think I'm on I'm on the fairy track too. Hmm. I genuinely I don't know what I would want to see that we don't have already. We just got our Luxodon. That probably would have been mine. Uh, someone in our chat said via via Shino. That's a good one too. Yeah. Rip via Shino planeswalker. <laughs> Rip random via <laughs> Shino planeswalker who died in War of the Spark. Everybody Rapica. has yeah. to bring it up. 
what are some inspirations for planes you would all like to see? I personally would like to see Muraganda or a prehistoric inspired plane. And this is from uh, MTG Gathering 5. Um, gosh, I I really love... Um, I'd like to see like a historical Indian plane, not like Kaladesh, but like like a Bollywood historical epic, which are freaking amazing. I would do Wild West. Like you can you can clean it up quite a bit to make it still um, appealing ish as a setting. Um looking forward to a sports ball um un- unset. Because that's the only way they're going to do that. But like <laughs> all all these kinds of sports and whatnot that happen that aren't combat situated, but just like random basketball or football or random things like that in an unset would be hilarious. You know, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I think they've done enough sets. Actually, I think they can pack it up now. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> all right, let's read our last. This is our last question for the night. With Lord of the Rings and Doctor Who coming to Magic Cards and Commodore Guff finally getting a card for himself. Would the Lord of the Rings and Doctor Who just be stories to him or actual people and events on different planes? And that is from Jordan F. Kirsch on Twitter. Uh, so what I'm going to say is Guff. Uh, I have come to the conclusion that Guff is self-aware that he is in a fictional product, but he cannot see outside of that fictional product. He can't see you. He doesn't know where you live. He doesn't know if you've been sleeping. He doesn't know, uh, you know, if you've been naughty or nice. He can't hurt you. <laughs> I, th- okay. I think Guff legitimately isn't actually aware. I think he's just playing a bit very, very hard. And, you know, just kind of wants to seem smarter to people when he's like, oh, I knew Urza would turn. I wrote it that way. And they're like, what happens next? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. And it's like, well, you do know or you can't tell us. But um no, I just think he might be actually delusional, and that would be a fun, fun twist for the character. He is, yeah, his his fourth, honestly, you know, most other, like, the other big popular fourth wall breaking characters like Deadpool, Deadpool are also, like, delusional. So, yeah. I reject the question wholesale because I don't believe in Commodore Guff. <laughs> all right we should wrap this up all right, let's move on we're at 56 minutes let's move on to final thoughts uh my final thought for the week is i, I don't know i my head's empty i i all i have in room for my my thoughts are um tears of the kingdom the game is so much fun eh. agreed um i don't what is my final thought i don't know it's too hot now <laughs> it like we're recording on June 1st, and it's like all of a sudden summer weather after a really nice mild spring in Philly, and it's just like, boom, June 1st, summer weather, I'm going to destroy the sun. I don't like it. <laughs> well, my final thought is I've put in so much time in Tears of the Kingdom, and I've, I have yet to ki- uh, to do one of the sage or like the natural phenomenon, so... Yeah, I tend to leave those. I gotta, I gotta do those because I feel like I left them for too long mm-hmm. in Breath of the Wild, and then I'm like, man, I wish I had done these sooner because yeah. actually this would have been really helpful. But then I also don't want the game to be over, so I keep putting, putting off main story. Same here. That's exactly what's going on with me. Like I have a bunch of armor. I have a bunch of really good weapons. Like it, it should be easy for me to progress. I just don't want to do it. Did you do the tears of the kingdom? I'm sorry. Did you do the tiers, the the tiers main side quest, main quest? Yes, uh, yes, I've got all all okay, the tiers. Yeah, yeah. The, that one's a good one to do first. Yeah. Yes, I agree. okay. 
my final thought is that I've put uh, 60 hours into Dragon Age Inquisition and I've come to the belief that it's not very good. <laughs> I've probably got another <laughs> 30 hours in the game. I'm, I'm going to play it for 100 hours, but let me tell you, it's not very... You remind me of those Steam reviews yeah. where like, you can yeah. see how long someone's been playing it. And it's like 900 hours and the review is like, this oh, sucks. This game don't, sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm already planning a replay through. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't think it's very good. I think it has a good game in it. And if you are focused on the main stuff, it probably is paced well. But yeah, I think a lot of the side stuff is very blah outside of a few very notable exceptions. Yeah. Keep your ears out for a Dragon Age episode sometime soon. I'm going to do it. My final thought is book recommendation. I'm not hungry, but I could eat by Christopher Gonzalez. Read that this week. Was very good. Five stars. Excellent. I'll have to check it out. I've been reading this book called The Fellowship of the Ring. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have so many books on backlog, like because last year I read almost entirely magic stuff to reread it for stuff I was doing. And that was a mistake. (laughs) I have no idea how to give you a good segue here, Lorelai. That's just great. Folks, listeners, 250 episodes. We're so thankful for y'all. And if you want to give back to your favorite magic story podcast, which is hopefully us, uh, you can head to patreon.com slash the cast and help support us uh, starting from this very moment that you hear these words. Everyone who does gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are given priority in mailbag episodes to ask us questions, <laughs> um, which is a cool perk. It's also just a great community full of wonderful people. It is. I really enjoy this place. And thank you all for listening to our 250th episode. Holy crap. We got to see like what other long running podcasts have have like made it this long. I don't know. But next week's our Celebi episode. Yeah. <laughs> 251. Jesus Christ. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos cast.